We've been learning for the past several weeks, the beginning of Yeshua Perikei, the story of the mass circumcision at the place that became known as Gilgal, the Givas Arlos, the hill of the Arlos, the Arlos and Gilgal, the, the mass circumcision performed by Yeshua. We've discussed why there had to be a mass circumcision, why the Jews had not, the, the circum explained the Jews had not been circumcised in the desert, the ones who were born in the desert, the ones who were left Egypt were circumcised, the ones who were born later were not. We discussed that at length over the last uh, number of weeks. So that, that, that takes us, that took us through Perikei Pasuk Tess. Now we are up to Perikei Pasuk Yud. So after this mass circumcision, Pasuk says, Vayachanuvene Yisrael Bagilgal, the Jews encamped at this place called Gilgal. Vayasuas Pesach, and they 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 made they offered the carbon Pesach. On the fourteenth day of the month, the month of Nisan, of course, the first month. Ba'erev in the evening. Barvos Yericho in the, the plains of Yericho. That was where they did it. This place Gilgal is in the general area of the plains of Yericho. The Karim Pesach, of course, is the offering brought, the, the, it's, it's the same name as the Yom Tov Pesach, it's brought, so the, the, way, the, the way it works is that the actual offering of the Karban, the Shechita, the slaughtering, and the, the other Avodos are done on Ere Pesach, Ere Pesach in the afternoon, the, the second half of the day of Ere Pesach, the 14th. You think that Ere Pesach is a busy day today with all the last-minute preparations for Pesach. <laughs> Imagine what it was like in... When, add the carbon. Right, when they had the carbon, when they had the temple, they were really busy then. So the Pesach was offered on Ere Pesach, on the, the evening of Ere Pesach. And the, it was eaten, though, it was eaten, of course, on Pesach night at the Seder. Just as we read, just as we read uh, last week, yesterday, we read about the... Hashem said that the, they should offer the Pesach and eat it that night and put the blood on the door. The blood on the door, we don't do, uh, that was only a one-time thing, but the, the idea that you eat the current Pesach at the Seder, today we say uh, we, we have a roasted bone on the, on the Seder plate, and we say the Pesach said that we used to eat at the time of the Temple, it's a Zecher for the Pesach, but the, the Pesach was eaten, so the, this will become important soon, but the Pesach was offered on Ere Pesach in the afternoon, and it was eaten on Pesach night at, the, at, at what we call the Seder. Incidentally, there is an old, old minhag that, that, that was taken very seriously in the time of the Rishonim. It's not widely practiced today. There is an old minhag that matzah, the matzah that you eat at the Seder, should ideally be baked on Arab Pesach after Chatos at the time that you would have brought the Karim Pesach in the time when they had a Karim Pesach. This was, this was a, a, a widespread minhag in the time of the Rishonim. They even discuss, even with the Eved, how important is it if you can't, if it's difficult. The, they even discuss yeah, how, how critical is it. Today, it is not widely practiced. Probably, but it is practiced. It is practiced today, yes. Especially some Hasidim do it. They're, 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 I think there are people who still do it today. The, 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 I, th- I think part of the problem is that the, the, the matzah used to be a personal thing. People would bake their own matzahs. Today, with commercial matzah baking, they bake it months in advance. It's just not practical logistically to do it all Arab Pesach. Also, the post can warn that there's a concern for chametz, that the, you're much busier Arab Pesach. And the halachas of chametz are stricter. The, before Pesach, it, it's easier if you have a small amount of chametz for it to be batil. On Arab Pesach, where the Isurim of Chametz already began earlier, they began at Chatzos. So that with stricter, for various reasons, we don't do this minhag anymore. But but as but as, as, as you're pointing out, uh, some people still do it. The, 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 some people still do have this this chumra, this this, this hidr, this minhag to to bake the matzah Arab Pesach. That that's when the Pesach was offered. 
And so our Pasik says that they that they offered the Pesach, they made the sacrifice on our bus, or Lakodesh, the 14th day of the month, by Erev, in the evening, in the afternoon, by Rosh Yericho. And then Pasik Aleph says, they ate from the produce of the land, the grain of the land, from the day after the Pesach. We'll discuss what that means in a moment. Matzos v'koli, they ate matzah, the matzah, what we call matzah, v'koli, roasted, roasted grain. Be'etzem hayom hazeh, on, 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 on that day, on the midst of that day, on that very day. One more Pesach, and then we'll discuss the, the meaning of these Pesachim. Pesach Yud Bey says, Vayishbos haman mimacharas, the man seized, the man desisted falling, or we'll, we'll see what happened exactly with the man, but the man desisted mimacharas on the following day. When they ate from the grain of the land, they no longer had any man. And that year, they, 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 they had a sea change in their diet, a major cultural shift. They stopped eating man, and that year, they began to eat like regular people. They began to eat from the grain of Eretz Canaan. They ate, they ate during that year. Elsewhere in Chumash, the Pasuk says that they ate the man for 40 years. That, that, that they ate the man for... That, 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 the, that, the Jew, that the Jewish people ate the man for 40 years in the desert. We'll discuss soon, because I'll understand that it, was, that, that, it, that it was exactly 40 years. It was... Uh, it, it, it's actually a Pasuk in this coming week's Pasha. This coming week's Pasha, B'Shalach, this is where we're first introduced to the man. After, after Kriya Samsov, after the splitting of the sea, the Jews were in the desert. Pasuk says they, were, they, they had no food. It says that they had... Uh, says that, uh, that the people complained a long story in the end of Shalach. It says that... It says that they... Uh, that they came to Midbar Sin, the, the desert of Sin. It says... In the 15th of Iyar, that's going to be an important date also. The 15th of Iyar, the second month, the, the, the exodus was on the 15th of Nisan, the night of the 15th of Nisan. Uh, one month later, they were in Midbar Sin, they had no food. They said, Would that we were dead, we're going to starve here in the desert. So Hashem brought Mun, an elaborate discussion about collecting the Mun and Omer every day, twice on Arab Shabbos, like a Mishnah for Shabbos, and so on. And then the, the Pasuk ends the discussion of the Mun by saying that, they ate the man for how long? For 40 years. For 40 consecutive years, the Jews ate man. Until they entered a civilized land, they, they exited the desert and they entered Eretz Canaan. And the Torah reiterates that they ate the man until they, until they arrived at the edge of Eretz Canaan. That's our Pasuk. Our Pasuk says that they, our Pasuk says that they arrived in Eretz Canaan. They crossed the Ardain. They were in, in Arbos Yericho and Gilgal. And it says that now they, the mud finally stopped. They no longer had any mud. And what do they do? They, they ate from the, from the grain of Eretz Canaan. They, they, they finally switched after 40 years to the... They, that, that, that they finally switched after 40 years going back to grain. It would seem that it was not quite 40 years because as we mentioned in Pasha's Peshalach, in the, the Pasuk says that they ate it for that the month that, that the, the story of Midbar Sin where the month began to fall occurred in the second month on the 15th day second month being Iyar Nisan is the first month so it, so in Iyar in the second month on the 15th that's when the month began and it stopped it says here in Mimachras Pesach they had, they had Pesach they brought the current Pesach they began eating the 
they began eating the grain of Eretz Canaan. So it seems it would have been forty. It seems that it would have been forty years minus forty years minus thirty days. So the Gemara actually raises this question. The 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 Gemara itself actually raises this question. The Gemara says, "What happened to it, it, that that it that that it that it should have been forty? It should have been forty years minus thirty days." So the Gemara says. Pasuk says, Pasuk in Bishalak, it says, it's a man achuar ba'im shana, that they ate the. What? Yeah, so, the, so Simcha's pointing out that the. Simcha's pointing out that the simple shot would be that, that when it says they ate it for 40 years, it means approximately 40 years. It was, it, that, it was, that it was almost 40 years. It wasn't quite. Uh, it wasn't. Right, so that, that, that's probably Pshutoshal Mikra, that, that it was around almost 40 years, it was nearly 40 full years. The Gemara, however, the, the, the Gemara brings a, a Midrash that, no, it was exactly 40 years, and it says that the, the Gemara in Kedushin, Daflam Ches, is a long discussion of, our, of, our, of these Tzukim, and we'll, we'll discuss other aspects of the Gemara soon, but the, the Gemara discusses various aspects of of, of our of our pasha of our story of the man the ending of the man, so it says that it says that Tanya Eidah brings a brisa. The Jewish people ate the man for forty years. Was it really forty years? Did they eat man for forty years? It really would have been for forty years minus thirty days, because as we said, the, 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 the man began in ER on the fifteenth and it ended at Nisan on the fifteenth. The, 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 the loaves, the, the, the cakes, the, the, the bread that the Jews brought out of Egypt, that's what, we, that's what we're going to read about in, uh, in that, 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 that's what we read about in the parasha again. It says that when the Jews left Egypt in a rush, it says, also in yesterday's parasha, I believe it says that the... That, it says, it, it, says, it says that when that, that, that when the Jews were that when the Jews were rushed out of Egypt, it says that by Yisuvin Eitz Yomer Am Seis Ukosa Kishesh Meos Elaf Raglek Bar Levan Mitaf in Parshas Bo. It says by Yofuas Habatzeik Asher Tiyum Mitzrayim Ugos Matzos. They they baked the dough they brought out of Egypt into cakes of matzah. Kilochametz Yigarshu Mitzrayim. They were expelled hastily without uh, without any uh, ceremony. They couldn't delay. They didn't have anything to. Uh, they couldn't prepare. All they had were these were these unbaked dough, unbaked doughs. So anyway, so so the the Gemara tells us in Kedushin that those those doughs those doughs that the Jews took out of Egypt, there was a even before they had the actual man, there was already some kind of taste in the man. Hashem blessed their dough, I guess, and, and provided some kind of taste, some kind of uh, essence of mun in those doughs, so they, even though the actual mun only began to fall 30 days later, but they already had a, a preview, they already had uh, some kind of some kind of uh, involvement with, with some kind of taste of mun already 30 days earlier, so when the this is a midrash, it's not traditional mikra, but when the, that, that's what the Torah is alluding to when it says 40 years, in a certain sense it was 40 full years, because the first 30 days before the mun actually fell, they had tam mun, they had some kind of essence of mun in their in their dough, okay. So this is what the so 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 this is the, this is the story over here. It says that they that they they, they ate man until this time, they, the end of the forty years, and now 
the, the month ceased, and now they and now they began to eat mitzvahs Now, what I want to talk about for the remainder of of, of our of, of, of our discussion today is that besides the Karim Pesach, which was brought on Arab Pesach and eaten at Pesach night at the Seder, there's another carbon with, with very important ramifications that is brought on that that is brought on the second day of Pesach. And that is called the Karban Haomer. That is a Pasuk in Pasukim in Parshus Emar. It says we, we count the Karban Haomer. We count today Sphiras Haomer. Today we have a mitzvah to count forty nine days those 49 days are counted from, in the time of the temple, they were counted from the offering of the, car, of the carbon haomer. The, the carbon omer was a carbon that was brought on the second day of Pesach. In, in biblical times, that would have been the first day of Chalamoid. It was brought the night of the second day, which was the, the night of Matzah Yantif. Today, in Futzlars, we, have, we, 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 have, we celebrate two days of Yantif, because it's taken the Yomer, so we start counting Omer on the, what we call the second night of Yantif, which is really a Suffolk. But in principle, the, the Omer was brought on the... The armor was cut on the, on the night of the second day, uh, the, the night of the, uh, of the second night of Pesach, meaning the night of the first day of Chalamoid. And on the first day of Chalamoid, and, and during the day, the carbon armor was offered. Uh, that was a special carbon brought once a year. It wasn't like Pesach, every person brought one. It was a national carbon brought, brought on behalf of all of Israel. But the carbon armor was brought on the second day of Pesach, meaning the first day of Chalamoid. These are Psukim and Pashas Amar. It says, when you enter Kisavo El Haaretz, you'll enter Eretz Canaan. You will, you will harvest the grain of Eretz Canaan. You bring, Omer is a measurement. Omer was the same, the man was Omer, was, was an Omer a day. The, the Omer is a measurement. But you bring an Omer volume of Reishik Sirch Melakohen. You bring one Omer measurement of Omer's of Sirus Saifa. Omer is said to be in the volume of about 40, uh, 43.2 eggs. So it's, you bring this volume of grain to the Kohen. That, and the you make trufa, which is you wave it in a ritual waving of the grain. When do you do this? We'll discuss what that means soon, the day after Shabbos. And then on the day of the carbon omer, you bring animal carbonus as well, and so on. And the Pasuk says, You shall not eat bread or roasted wheat or caramel, another type of grain product. You shall not eat any of these grain products at Etzimayomazeh. Again, the phrase Etzimayomazeh. You cannot eat bread of the new grain until this day. You bring the Omer. Ad haviachem et carbon alokechem. Until you bring the carbon Omer. Chukas el medorosechem bechol moshvosechem. This is the law. Medorosechem for all your generations. Bechol moshvosechem. Which sounds like it means wherever Jews live, even in Chutzlarts. Throughout history, wherever Jews live, this is the law. You, we can't bring the carbon omer today, but it sounds like the pasuk is saying you cannot eat new grain until the, the omer is brought. And then, of course, the pesukim we're more familiar with, Again, the phrase the day after Shabbos, you count from then. From the day that you bring the carbon of the omer, the omer that you wave, Sheva Shabbos We count seven full weeks. Ad until again again seven weeks later division modulo seven tispru chamishim yom you count forty nine days fifty days the rishonim discuss that uh, that uh, inconsistency and then you bring the carbon called the shnei and that is the yom tov that we call shavuos for at the end of Sirius Omer so.
In biblical times, the, the procedure was on the Mimachras HaShabbos, which we interpret in the rabbinic tradition to mean the, the day after the Shabbos. Shabbos is, in this context, we interpret to mean the first day of Yom Tov, which is called Shabbos here. So Mimachras HaShabbos, from the day after the first day of Yom Tov, meaning from the second day of Yom Tov, we bring the carbon Omer, we count Firas Omer 49 days, and on the 50th day is Shavuos, and that's, how, that's what we do today. Today it's you know, a little confusing because it's Vekin the Yom, we have two days of Yom but basically this is the procedure. You bring the carbon Omer on second day of Pesach, first day of Cholamoid, count 49 days from then, and on the 50th day is Shavuos. And there's an important prohibition, Belechem, Vekali, Vecharmel, several prohibitions, Lo Sochlu, you're not allowed to eat from the new grain until the carbon Omer is brought. Now there's a great, great debate as to whether this prohibition applies in contemporary times or not, in, in Chutzlarts in particular. The many postkim, perhaps most postkim, say it does. That Torah says, it applies wherever Jews live, in Eretz Israel and Chutzlarts, in all generations. Many Rishonim and Achronim say that the prohibition remains in force today and that new grain cannot be eaten until we don't bring the Omer today, so when there's no Omer, until either the beginning or the end of the, of, of the second day of Pesach. Yes, so, so which grain is this applied to? So according to, the, according to our Masara, it applies to the, the five grains that we always talk about, the Hamisha Mine Dagon, which are typically translated as wheat, barley, spelt, oats, and rye. There is some debate about whether oats is really a correct translation or not, but the other four are widely accepted, wheat, barley, spelt, and rye. So none of those grains or any products of those grains can be eaten until the carbon omer is brought. that we don't have the carbon, so until the end of the second day of Pesach, and because of Sveik is another day. So th- this is known as the prohibition of Chadash, or the stringency of Yashan. And those are two sides of the same coin. Yashan means old grain, Chadash means new grain. This is the prohibition to not eat new grain until Pesach time, until the second, third day of Pesach. This is the prohibition of Chadash which most people in Chutzlarts are not meticulous about. Most people today do not follow this stringency. If you look at a package of uh, any, any grain product, sometimes you will see Kemach Yashan on it, or in English Yashan. That is a, a certification that this grain, we'll discuss exactly what the rules are in a moment, but that's a certification from the Kashrus Agency that this product does actually meet the stringency of Yashan. But it's an optional stringency. The, the major Akshayrim, the OU and the Star K, will typically will, 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 will have no problem certifying food, which is not guaranteed to be Yasha. The question is why? Why is that the practice? And why are some people stringent? Well, we'll return to that a little bit later. But, but this halacha, this biblical prohibition, this is the source of the, the, this is the, the, the reason to eat Yashan and the prohibition to eat Chadash. And this is... So th- this is what happens, and th- this is what happens on the, on the second day of Pesach, the, the new grain becomes mutter. Now there's a major debate in the Talmud and the later commentaries how to incorporate, how to, uh, how to put these psukim into context. Were, were the Jews waiting to eat? Was, was Chadash, was this prohibition actually applicable at this time in the Yeshua? How to read the psukim? We, 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 we have very different approaches in the Talmud. The Talmud in Kedushin brings a machlokis, uh, to, it brings Machlokis Tanoim whether Chadash applies Bismanazia. As I mentioned, it is Machlokis. And related to that, the Talmud says is, the, the question is how to understand the word The Pasuk says that you can't eat, you can't eat Chadash. The Talmud brings two interpretations of the word 
One of them is even in Chutzlart, Bukhal Mashrosechem, wherever Jews live. The other explanation is that Bukhal Mashrosechem means until until Achar Yerusha Yeshiva, until Yeshua had finished the 14 years of of the war, the war of conquest against Canaan, and until the settling into Eretz Canaan, for those first 14 years, this prohibition did not apply. In which case, the prohibition would not have applied right now, which was the very beginning of those 14 years. So the Talmud brings Machlokis whether at the time of Yeshua, the prohibition of Chadash was, they were in Eretz Canaan, so the, the, that wasn't the issue. The issue it wasn't the question of whether it applies in Chutzlart, they were in Eretz Canaan. But the question is, does the, did the prohibition take effect during the initial, the initial phase of the, of the Jewish inheritance, the Jewish uh, taking possession of Eretz Canaan, did the prohibition take effect back then? It's a machlokis tenon. So the Gemara goes back and forth, and the, the machlokis is how we paskin. That's the, that's the practical question. But before we get into the question of how we paskin, the Gemara now takes apart Arab Sukkim in light of the two opinions. So the Gemara says... If means it applies all over, but it does not mean that it only applies after the 14 years of conquest, but it applied immediately. So in other words, if Chadash was in force at the time of Yoshua, the prohibition, that's what the Pasuk means when it says, Our Pasuk says that they ate from the new grain, they ate from the grain of Eretz Canaan, they ate it from the from the day after the Pesach. Why only then? Why not earlier? They only ate Chadash from Machras Pesach. They had to wait for the Karman Omer. The, the Pesach doesn't say here anything about bringing the Karman Omer. It talks about bringing the Karman Pesach. It doesn't say they brought the Karman Omer. But the Talmud understands, according to one approach, the Pesachim to be telling us, they brought the Pesach on the 14th, they ate it on the night of the 15th, and then on the day of the 16th, apparently, which is not clearly mentioned in the Tzukim, they brought the Karban Omer. And then we mock Reza Pesach from, the, from, from that day that they brought the Karban Omer, they could begin eating Me'avor Haaretz. So according to this interpretation, why did the Jews only begin to eat Me'avor Haaretz at that time? We mock Reza Pesach. Not because until then they had the mun, because until then they weren't allowed to eat the new grain, because they hadn't brought the Karban Omer yet. Finally, they were allowed to eat the new grain, because they finally had brought the Karban Omer. That is one interpretation of the Tzukim. However, the Gemara says, if you say that the, the law of Chadash was not in effect at all back then, until the, until the 14 years of conquering and taking possession of the land had passed, there was no prohibition of Chadash. The law of Chadash did not apply back then, the way many people say it doesn't apply today. So, if so, then why couldn't they eat Chadash earlier? Why do they have to wait till Machras and Pesach to eat the new grain? The Gemara says, no, law of Etzrichi. They didn't need to eat the new grain. When they, when they didn't start to eat the new grain until then, that was because they didn't need it. They, they had man until then. The Gemara says, because the Pasuk in B'Shalach says, in this, in this coming week's parasha we read before, They ate the man for 40 years. So, the Gemara asks a bit of a contradiction. First it says until they got to until they got to Eretz Noshavas, then it says Eretz Canaan. So Eretz Canaan, the Eretz Canaan, Rashi understands, means already where Moshe died, already across the Yarden, and Arvas Moab, that was already called Eretz Canaan. Eretz Noshavas meant the, the part of Eretz Canaan inside the Yarden. Tosis brings the Tosis brings an opposite shot that the Eretz Noshavas meant uh, the, 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 the east side of the Jordan, the West Tichon and Og, and Eretz, and Eretz Canaan meant the west side of the Jordan. But, but either way, the Gemara is asking a contradiction. When did they finally, when did they finally stop eating the man? When they got, when Moshe died back in Arvas Moab, Zion Adar, 
30 days early, uh, 40 days earlier, or now finally, in, uh, or when they crossed the Arden. So the Gemara says that the month stopped back then. Hakate said, but Shiva Badr, we had, we had this date a number of times already. Shiva Badr, the rabbinic tradition says, and the Farshim justify it based on the details of the chronology in the Psukim and Yeshua. Seventh day of Adar of that year, Moshe had passed away. Pasak Marmilei, the man ceased falling on that day. But they had leftover man until the 16th of Nisan. Even though normally a person was not allowed to collect man for more than one day, that's in Pasha's Bashalak. It says, people, people uh, Hashem said, don't leave over the man. The Sukkim say that Hashem commanded, do not leave over man until the next day. It says that it says that the it's Vayomer Moshe Alem Ishal Yosemenu at Boker. Do not leave over man until the next day. Lo Shamuel Moshe. They they they. There were certain people who flouted what Moshe said, who left over man until the next day. They Yosiru and Nashemenu at Boker. There were people who did leave over Mun until the next day. Who were these people? Chazal famously say it was Dustin Vaviram. Chazal have an approach that any any uh, anonymous, unnamed uh, miscreants in, in Chumash uh, are often Dustin Vaviram. <coughs> the two men who were fighting in Pasha Shmos, and one of them lifted his hand against another, and Moshe said, Russia, why do you smite your friend? That was Dustin Vaviram, and so on. So here are these two people who decided... We know better. And Moshe says, don't leave over the man. We're going to do it. Uh, we're going to leave over the man. So it says, Vayarum talayim vayivash. And uh, it says they left over the man. And uh, sure enough, the man, the man became wormy. And it, and it was, uh, and it stank. Victor for Moshe. Moshe was uh, infuriated with them. But in general, they were not allowed to leave over the man, except on Erev Shabbos, where Hashem, where, where he said, man will not fall on Shabbos, but, but you'll collect Lechem Mishnah on Erev Shabbos. That's why we do Lechem Mishnah to commemorate that that miracle of double mun on Arab Shabbos. But in general, they were not supposed to leave over the mun. But here, this was apparently an exception. It says that the that the mun stopped when that the mun stopped when, when Moshe Rabbeinu died on Zion Adar, but they had left over mun in Bethlehem in their in their bags, in their in their in their in their, in their belongings, they, they in their baggage they had left over mun, and they survived on that mun. Until Shishasi Bernisa, and finally they ran out of money, they began eating the new grain. It's nothing to do with the, the, the prohibition of Chadash or the Karban Omer. So the Gemara is giving us two very different approaches to these Tzukim. According to one approach, according to one approach, they would have been happy to eat the new grain, to go back to real bread. We know they complained bitterly about the man in, in, in Parashat Chukas. They said, We're tired of eating man, we want to eat normal food. So according to Wamshat, they would have been happy to eat man, to, to, eat, to eat real food earlier, to eat bread and grain earlier. The problem was, the prohibition of Chadash was in force, so they could not do it. So until Pesach came and they brought the Karban Omer, they were unable to eat the new grain. Finally, they ate the new grain when, the, when they brought the Karban Omer. Going to another approach in the Talmud, the Gemara explains the prohibition of Chadash was not enforced back then. During the first 14 years, there was no prohibition of Chadash. So the fact that they didn't eat the new grain until Makras of Pesach had nothing to do, had nothing to do with the, had nothing to do with the, the, the law of Chadash. It was simply, it was simply that they preferred the man. On the contrary, they preferred man. They had the. The man was delicious, so they, as long as they had man, they were willing to eat it. The man stopped on when Moshe died, but they had leftover man until now, and they ate leftover man until they ran out, and then finally they began to eat the new grain. So we have two very different approaches to the circuit. Yes? Was the 
14-year theory based on the idea that Moshav doesn't mean, means there weren't permanent settlements yet. They were still wandering around attacking the cities and trying to take over. So the 14-year the, the theory, the theory that, theory that it didn't happen right away. One second. So... Right, so the, the language of the Gemara is Moshev, the Kedushin, Daflam and Zion, is Moshev, La'achar Yerushu Yeshiva Mashma. Moshev implies it was only after the Yerushu Yeshiva, it was only after the... the it was only after they settled down they began to have permanent, inhabit, permanent habitation. Right, so, so, so you're asking how do they have the money until until from 40 days from when Moshe died in Zion Adar. Thank you. Until, yes, apparently this is an exception. Apparently normally the money rotted if they left it overnight, but just like an Arab Shabbos, there was a special dispensation that the money stayed, I guess, here too. This was the last month, and Hashem wanted them to have it for get one last run of the month, I guess, so he gave it to them for another, uh, yeah, it's a good question. I didn't see anyone talk about it explicitly, but maybe somebody does. Right, so I, apparently, though, according to one interpretation, the Gemara is saying what you said, that Moshev is, uh, implies they have a more permanent and stable and uh, durable settlement, and that didn't happen until after the first 14 years. They were, they were still busy on the military campaign. On the military campaign, you camp in the field, you're, you're moving around, you, you, know, you, you don't have the luxury of settling down and building, you're still waging war, and... Uh, right, so it didn't apply that. So th- these are two very different shotim in why the Jews began to eat from the new, from the grain of Eretz Canaan on the on the Makras of Pesach, and as a matter of fact, I was pointing out according to one shot, it sounds like the Jews would have been happy to eat grain. They might have preferred it to mon, like we said in Parshas Kukas, just that they they couldn't because Malacha. According to another shot, on the contrary, the mon was better. The Gemara then brings another brayer supporting that shot. It says that it says that the it says that the it says that, 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 that there's a mushal. I'm not sure if it's here in the Gemara somewhere else. Rashi brings it on our. Rashi brings it on our. Uh, Rashi brings it on our psukim. Rashi says that they. Rashi says that they began to eat me'avor ha'aretz. That if it, only because they had no man. The Pasuk says, the man stopped, and that's why they ate, according to that approach in the Gemara. Rashi says, had they had man, they would not have eaten from the they would not have eaten from the from grain. Because man was better. It's like a kid. It gives a muscle, it's like a kid. If you ask him, why are you eating barley bread? Barley bread is an inferior sort of bread. Wheat bread is a much more luxurious and desirable product. You ask a child, why are you eating barley bread? So he says because uh, I don't have any wheat bread, so I'll, I'll settle for second best. You know, why are you eating your bread instead of cookies? I don't have any cookies. Well, just let me have any cookies. So, so the same thing here, that the Jews would have much preferred mun. Mun, mun was much better. But they... Mun was much better. But they... Uh, but, but, but according to this approach, they, 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 they would have been happy to eat... Uh, they would have been happy to continue, continue eating mun. The problem was the mun stopped. According to the other shot, they, 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 they might have preferred to eat bread, but they couldn't eat bread until the carbon armor was brought because the, 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 because the Isra of Chadash applied 
back then as well. The Pasuk said... They could eat old Right, they could have eaten old grain, but they would have had any grain from last year. I don't know what the supply chain looked like back then. We'll discuss this more when we discuss the halachic ramifications. They could have eaten last year's grain. So just briefly to outline the rules. The rules are whenever grain grows, any time of the year, whenever grain grows from the ground, that grain has the status of chadash, new grain. All grain starts out its life as being new. Whenever grain exists and the, 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 the calendar comes around to the time of Pesach and the carbon Omer is brought, or today the day passes without the Omer, but that day passes, <coughs> at that point, all grain that already exists, or even if it's still growing on the ground, if it already had reached a certain stage of its development, a third of its growth, as long as it reached that level, certainly if it's already harvested and in the warehouses, that, at that point, the, the status of the grain changes to yashan, to old grain, and is now mutter for, in, forever. So all grain starts out being chadash, and the grain becomes mutter when, when the omer is brought or when Pesach comes around. So, for example, if, if grain is grown during the winter, so it's harvested in around now, around Shvat or, uh, or Teves, so right now the grain is chadash. In a few months, it'll become Pesach, and then the grain will become yash, it'll be mutter. Grain that grows in the summer, it's harvested in Tammuz or Av, so at that point it's Chadash and it's Asir, and you have to wait uh, nine months or so until the next Pesach comes around, at which point it becomes Mutter. So at any point, if you want to go to the, if you want to go and eat grain, you can't eat any grain that grew since the last Omer was brought, since last Pesach. You can eat grain that, that was already in existence before the, before the last Pesach. Given the realities of the modern supply chain, what, what, what that means, maybe we'll discuss this in more detail eventually, but what that means... Right, someone's telling us what that means in practice is that for a few months after Pesach, all grain that reaches the consumer is always going to be yashan because it takes several months for grain to get from the field to the supermarket shelf because they have to harvest it, they have to dry it out, they have to grind it, they have to process it, they have to ship it through middlemen to the supermarket... It, it, you don't get grain fresh from the farm. It doesn't work like that. In, in, in nor, normal supermarkets, it takes several months to, to, to get to get to, to, for, for a product to get from the field to the consumer. So let's say for three or four months after Pesach, any grain that's commercially available in the supermarket must have been harvested, must have grown already before Pesach. Because it, although if it didn't grow till after Pesach, it couldn't gotten to you. It could not have gotten to you that quickly. So until around August or, or September. Until, obviously, the, the, these numbers depend to a certain, uh, really on the solar calendar because the, the crop cycles depend on the, the seasons of the year, the, not, the, not the lunar calendar. But, so until around August or September, all grain is, all, all grain is, is going to be yashan because since Pesach is in March or whenever, March, April, May, June, July, or September, so the, the way the supply chain works is that none of the grain that made it to you until around August or September is going to actually be from new grain that grew after Pesach. Once you reach that point in the calendar, that it's now, it's now uh, August or September, it's enough time has passed that some of the new spring grain that could have been harvested in April or May or the, the harvested around then, you can already have the time to work to, to wind its way through the supply chain and make it to the supermarket. So from August, September until the next Pesach, that's the season where if you're machped on, on Chadash, that's a season where you have to start asking questions and figure out whether any given grain or grain product is indeed. It, it could be, as as you pointed out, it could be it could still be from last year's grain because 
so grain is kept for several years. It, does, it doesn't spoil and if, if it's stored properly. And moreover, there are certain products which are typically made from grain. Right? And winter wheat and summer wheat have different, different physical characteristics. So winter wheat is always yashin because any wheat that was harvested in the winter Again, it can't make it to the market within a few within within se- in less than several months. Any grain that's harvested in the winter, by the time it gets to the consumer, is always gushing. If it's this year's grain, it wouldn't be on the market yet at, at before Pesach. And if it's last year's grain, it already passed last Pesach. So winter winter wheat and products made from winter wheat is always gushing. Summer wheat, spring wheat, summer wheat is the problem because spring wheat and summer wheat could make it to the market by fall, winter of the year. And for that six months or so, from August, September until Pesach, that's where products that are made from spring or summer wheat could potentially be chadash, and they might not be. That, that, that's, why, that's why you can still have products that are marked yashin, because they, they're made from last year. So the Jews, Daniel's pointing out, the Jews in, the, in Eretz Canaan, if they, had they been able to find grain from last year, they, they could have theoretically eaten that grain. If they would have been able to, they weren't Tachshirim back then, on the Canaanite grain, but had they somehow been able to find a warehouse and been able to assure themselves that this, that this grain was already uh, stored since last year, that would have been fine. But they didn't, presumably, and therefore they, they didn't eat the new grain until the, according to that approach, they didn't eat the new grain until the, they had a chance to bring the Omer. So when, that, was, that was before the war in Ukraine messed up the supply chain. Right, and that was before the war. They had other wars then, that was before the war in the Ukraine, right. The, the Pasuk says, Vayishpo Zamani Makras that the man seized, and again, the Talmud has two shots. The simple shot is the man seized right then, that the, that the, the simple shot is the man seized then, but according to the Talmud, the man actually seized, the man, the man actually seized earlier when Moshe died, and, and, and they had leftover man until then. The Ral Bag explains what, the Ral Bag says, what pushed Chazal to say that the, that the, that the man actually seized 40 days earlier when Moshe died. So he says that the, he says, I mean, others in Chazal say the man actually fell until, until Pesach. But he says, there isn't a penny in the man stopped 30, 40 days earlier. Why did Chazal say that? Isn't the simple reading of the Pasuk that, that the man, it stopped right then, but the man stopped falling then. Why did Chazal have this other idea? He says Chazal had a theological assumption that, that the, the nace of the man was produced by Moshe. Moshe was the one instrumental in bringing down the man. There's a famous midrash that says that there were three nisim in the midbar. There was the be'er of Miriam, the water supply, and the mun, and the clouds of glory. And it says each one of them was b'schus Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. The water was in the b'schus of Miriam. So when she died, it says the water the water stopped and they ran out of water. That was the story of the Memoriva in Parshas Chukas. And the, the clouds of glory was Aaron. That's why when Aaron died, they were attacked by the enemy because they lost the protection of the clouds of glory. And the man was Moshe. This is an idea that Chazal saying, and many Rishonim accepted this as well, Gaonim and Rishonim accepted this as well, that, that Nisim are always produced by Nevi'im. We have stories today, especially in Hasidic traditions, of modern-day Nisim produced by, by Hasidic Rebbe's or other Tzaddikim, but there wasn't, a, there wasn't an approach in the Gaonim and the Rishonim that Nisim were always produced by Nevi'im, that the Nisim and Tanakh were always produced by Nevi'im. A Nisim Tanakh is almost always Elisha did Nisim, Elio did Nisim, Moshe did Nisim, Yeshua did Nisim. The Nisim were, were generally, if not always, produced by Nevi'im. Yes, Simba? Um, even if I'm really good at that, doesn't necessarily mean that the Jews were part of the Arab Rav because the market attacked the back. Um, and the Arab Rav was pointing out that Chazal understand that, that, that why do they, how are they able to attack because the clouds of glory uh, were lost because of Aaron's death. Simcha's pointing oh. out that, um, that, the, that, that the Kanani attacked that they, maybe they attacked the Erev Rav, they attacked people who were outside the clouds of glory. 
I, I don't remember. There might, there might be different approaches in Chazal. Okay, they attack the back. The question is the back inside the clouds of glory. Out to, I don't remember all the different midrashim over there. But yeah, but, but there is one midrash that they lost the clouds of glory, and that's why they attacked. The mud came b'schus Moshe, and therefore the Rambam says that the, that's why Chazal assumed that if Moshe was dead, if Moshe was dead, they assumed that the that there must not have been any mud. It can't be there was mud after Moshe had passed away. The Rambam himself says. The Rambam himself suggests that the. His opinion, he, he, he prefers the other approach, to read the Pesukim Kipshuto, that the mun kept falling until Machras HaPesach, the mun kept falling until then, even though he agrees to the basic premise that the, that the nace must have happened via Moshe, he says that the... He says that the... Shanir Lanu, in my opinion, he says that the... that, that, that the nace that was produced by Moshe could have outlived Moshe. It's true, Moshe did the nace. But he had the ability to cause the nace to keep going and to continue even after his, even after his death. He, he gives the example of the other Nisim in Tanakh that he says were produced by Nevi'im, but they outlasted the, the Navi himself. He says that the that the nace, that the, the nace of the Shemana Mishcha. It was. It, it, he says he explains it elsewhere. He doesn't get into details. He says he says that the language of Vayishpos Amon, not Vayichla. Vayichla Amon means they ran out of money. Vayishpos means it stopped, meaning it kept coming down until then. So he thinks the simple reading of the Pasuk is that the money actually fell until Makras HaShabbat, until Makras HaPesach. He prefers that approach. But anyway, there's two approaches in Chazal, whether the money actually fell until Makras HaPesach, or the money stopped 40 days earlier, and they had leftover money until then. So again, so, so we, have, we have two very different approaches here. One shot is that they, that they kept eating mun as long as they had at least leftover mun. They kept eating the mun. It was only when the mun finally terminated, they were forced into uh, the, the less delicious stuff, the, the actual humdrum, you know, ordinary bread and, bread and butter uh, food of bread. And other approaches that they, that, 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 no, that, that halakhically, they, halakhically they could not eat the, the new grain until... Until they brought the carbon armor, the carbon armor is not mentioned in the pasuk, but that's the that's what the pasuk means. Now, we mentioned that in Parshas Emar, where it discusses the carbon omer and the law of Chadash, it says that when do you bring the omer? When, when does all this happen? When do you start counting serious omer? And the machras Shabbos. Here, the pasuk says that this happened that they began eating the new grain. The machras pesach. So what is it? Is it Machras HaShabbos? Machras HaPesach? What does Machras HaShabbos mean? What does Machras HaPesach mean? So this is the source of tremendous debate on different levels. In the time of Chazal, the time of the Mishnah and the Talmud, there was an epic debate about, about the, the Pasuk in Parashas Emar, in Machras HaShabbos, an epic debate between the Tzedukim and the, the Chacham. The Tzedukim were a group, a powerful and influential group of Jews that did not accept the, the interpretation of Torah Shabbat of the Chachamim. We know from we know they were a very powerful and, and uh, influential group of Jews. They were a thorn in the side of the, the Chachamim. They, the, the Talmud records many differences in religion. They, 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 they were very religious, some of them. They, they, they took the, the Torah very seriously, but they had, they had their own interpretations of the Torah which were different from the Chachamim. Talmud records a number of different examples. This is one of the most famous ones that they understood Machras HaShabbos meant the Sunday, the day after Shabbos, they understood that the, the carbon Omer was always brought on a Sunday. You waited till Pesach, and then you waited for the first Sunday after Pesach began, and you brought the carbon Omer, and then you counted 49 days, and the 50th day was Shavuos. So Shavuos was not 50 days after the second day of Pesach. It was 50 days after the, after the Sunday after Pesach. 
But that created a whole different calendar they had for Shavuos, and there used to be arguments about Kiddush HaKodesh, because each they, they, the Tzadukim would try to manipulate the calendar to fit their, their opinions. Second day of Pesach could fall out on a Sunday, so sometimes it would have worked out, but, 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 but not in general, and in general the Tzadukim had this major argument the Talmud records in Masechus Menachas, where it discusses the Karban HaOmer, the Talmud records this debate between the Chachamim and the Tzedukim. It says the Chachamim, various Chachamim, different Brises and Amarayim, they brought no fewer than ten different hermeneutical derivations that the Machras HaShabbos actually meant the second day of Pesach and not Shabbos. They had to bring so many because it was a major epic battle between the Tzedukim and the Chachamim. And... This machlokus actually continues until today. We have no more tzedukim today. The tzedukim faded away at some point. But around 1,000 or 1,200 years ago, a new group arose that became a major thorn on the side of the, of, of the Chachamim. That group was called the Karayim, the Karayim, the Balei Mikra. The Karaites were intellectual descendants of the Tzedukim. It's not clear if they can really trace their, themselves a direct line to the Tzedukim. They were a thousand years later. It's not clear whether we can really draw a direct line, a, a historical, factual, direct line of influence. But in many ways, they, they were a similar group to the Tzedukim. They, they, they appeared in the time of the Gaonim, the time of Rav Sadia Gaon. They continued through the time of the, of the Rishonim, Rambam, Ibn Ezra. And they were still vigorous and flourishing in the time of the Shulchan Aruch in the 16th century. Even today, they're a tiny, tiny uh, fraction of what they were. They have a few hundred people. But there is, there is a website. You can go, you can find a website of the World Karai Jewry, Yadud, Takarait, Taolamit. They have a website, and one of the pages on their website is an elaborate explanation of why Shavuos falls out on Sunday and why, the, the, why their brethren, the rabbinates, are making a profound mistake. And here's why. And they have a whole explanation of why they followed the Tzedukim in this respect that Makras HaShavuos means Sunday and that the, the carbon Omer was brought on a Sunday, and Furious Omer starts on a Sunday, and Shavuos falls out on a Sunday, then that, that was, that, that's their view. That was the view of the Tzedukim, that was the view of the Karaites. So this was an epic battle in the time of the, in the time of the Chachamim. It began, again, began more than 2,000 years ago, about how to interpret the passing in the Torah of Makras HaShavuos. So, in, 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 in Parshish Emmer, it says Makras HaShavuos, that the Omer is brought Makras HaShavuos. Here it says that the beginning of a new grain, so putting those two things together, the, the, we argue this supports our view, that they, they started eating it Makras HaPesach, not Makras HaShavah. They started eating it on Makras HaPesach. You see, the hicker is that it is Makras HaPesach, not Makras HaShavah. For whatever reason, the Torah called it Makras HaShavah. The, Torah, Torah, the, the, the rabbinic approach is that, that, that in, in Parshish Emmer, where the Torah says that you eat the... That, that you bring the Omer and Makras HaShabbos, it means that for some reason the Torah is using the word Shabbos to refer to the first day of Pesach. It's a Yom Tov, we call it Shabbos. And Makras HaShabbos over there also is the same as Makras HaPesach. It means, it means the second day of Pesach. And then that's, how we, that's how we reconcile these two parshias. Again, according to this approach, that the reason they, they ate the new grain on Makras HaPesach is because that's when the Omer was brought. And therefore, that is the rabbinic approach. That is the approach of the halacha of Aramisara to this whole, this, 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 this whole sugya that the carbon Omer is brought on the second day of Pesach. And that's when you can begin eating the, from the new grain. There's actually a fascinating debate within the rabbinic camp, though, and that is how to interpret the phrase Makras HaPesach. What day is Pesach and when is Makras HaPesach? I just explained, according to the view, that Pesach would refer to the first day of Yom Tov, and Makras HaPesach refers to the second day of Yom Tov. But actually, it's not so simple. Tosfus in Kedushan at Rosh Hashanah records a question of... He, he, he cites a question of Rabbi Avram Ibn Ezra. 
is unusual, but this is the Ibn Ezra, the, the, the commentary to the Flemish. Tosis rarely quotes him, but this is, uh, he, he did apparently have, have connections to some of the Balitosis, the Rebbein Tam. And this is one of, I think, only two or three of the very rare occurrences where Tosis actually cites the Ibn Ezra in, his, in, his, in, his, in, their, in their commentaries to the Talmud. So Ibn Ezra has a big problem. Ibn Ezra says, when is Machras a Pesach? The Pes- Ibn Ezra assumed Pesach, that Pesach refers to the 14th, because the Pesach was brought on the 14th. It was eaten on the 15th, but it was brought on the 14th. Ibn Ezra says, Machras a Pesach is not the second day of Pesach, which is when the carbon Omer is brought. Machras a Pesach is the first day of Pesach, the day after the offering of the carbon Pesach, which is on the 14th. So Ibn Ezra is very confused. He says, how can Machras a Pesach mean the 16th when the carbon Omer is brought? It should be the 15th. Uh, so that was Ibn Ezra's kasha. So Rabbeinu Tam answered. Rabbeinu Tam apparently was, had a personal connection to Ibn Ezra. Rabbeinu Tam answered that... A, a, very, a very ingenious rereading of the Pasuk. Well, let, let, let's actually pass over Rabbeinu Tam's explanation for now. But uh, Tos discusses the same question in the same Ibn Ezra he brings in Kedushin, that, that what happened to... That, uh, that, 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 that what happened to the fact that the Omer, the Omer, that the Omer is the second day of Pesach. So... Tosus brings the re, put aside Rabbeinu Tam for a moment, Tosus brings from the re another one of the Balitosus, that even though it's true that in general Makras of Pesach refers to the 15th, the day after the offering of the Pesach on the 14th, here he says it actually means the 16th. Lashon Torah L'chud, Lashon Nevi'im L'chud. Ibn Ezra's point was, Ibn Ezra's point was that the, in Parshas Masay, it says, Mi Makras of Pesach, Yisrael. That the Jews left Egypt, the Parshish Masih, with the, Masih, the Torah recounts the sojourns of the Jews, the travels through the desert, all those different stops they made. So it begins, Parshish Masih begins, it says that the Jews left Mitzrayim. It says... The Jews left Ramses where they had been in bondage in Egypt the first month of Nisan. They left on the 15th day of Chodesh Arishon. They left uh, the, the morning of the 15th day. They ate the Pesach all night. They stayed in their homes during Nachos Pecharos, which occurred on the night of the Seder. And uh, the morning, they said, we, we can't leave till the morning. The morning they left. That's Biyad Rama, that's Mayamazad. The morning of the 15th is when they left. The Torah says, the 15th day of Nisan, on the morning of the first day of Pesach, they left Egypt. They left. Ibn Ezra says, you see clearly when the Torah says, Pesach, Pesach refers to the 14th when they offered the carbon, and Pesach refers to the 15th. So Ibn Ezra says, how can you tell me Pesach here means the 16th, if, uh, if, in, if in Chumash it means the 15th? So the Re says, no, even though it's true in Pasha's Masay, Pesach means the 14th, and Machras of Pesach means the 15th. In Nevi'im, the words are used differently. Lashon Torah L'chud, Lashon Nevi'im L'chud. In Nevi'im, Machras of Pesach refers to... Machras of Pesach refers to the 16th. Pesach refers to the first day of Yom Tov. And Machras of Pesach refers to the 16th. And that's what it means here in Yeshua. Here in Yeshua, they began to eat Chadash on the 16th, because that, because that was when the Omer was brought. Pesach means the 15th, and Machras of Pesach means the 16th. So according to the Re. The, the word, the word Makras of Pesach is ambiguous. Sometimes it has two different meanings. Sometimes Pesach means the 14th, and Makras of Pesach means 15th. That's what it means in Chumash. And sometimes in Navi, Pesach means the 15th, and Makras of Pesach means, means, the, means the 16th. Yes. So, 
Benetam has a different shot. Benetam's shot is he concedes to Ben Ezra that Machus Pesach means the same thing that it means in the in the in the Chumash, that Machus Pesach means the fifteenth. And Benetam says, you read the Pesukim as follows. Benetam says, means Yasha. Up till now, we've been assuming that when they ate the grain, it means the new grain, which they needed a heter of the carbon omer for. Rebbeinu understands more like Daniel was saying that they ate that it means that they ate the the old grain. Radak says this way also in our psukim that it means they ate the old grain. They still ate yashan on the fifteenth pesach fifteenth as the Benazir says they were still eating old grain because because the when they had to eat matzah and kolay that they didn't eat on etzimayomazeh which is the sixteenth. To, to read the psukim, the time splits apart these psukim with a very fine, uh, a very fine blade. He says, They ate on Machras Pesach when it was still the 15th. They ate Avor Haaretz. Avor is last year's grain. The Radak says the same thing. Avor Haaretz means Mehayashan. However, Matzahs for Kali, they started eating Matzahs and Kali, which were from the new grain, that they ate Etzmayomazeh on the 16th. So according to Ben Utam, the Etzmayomazeh and Makras Pesach are two different days. Makras Pesach was still the 15th, that's when they ate the old grain. You put a comma after Makras Pesach, Matzahs for Kali, Etzmayomazeh. The Matzahs and the Kali, which were new grain, that they ate, Etzmayomazeh, that they ate not until the 16th, because in the Chumash, it says, in Pasha's Emmer, it says, Velechem, Vekali, Vecharmel, on the 16th. That's how Rabbeinu Tam reads it. It's against the trap because the trap have a munach esnachta on matzos v'koli. So you read it, makros ha-pesach, matzos v'koli. Rabbeinu Tam punctuates it differently. Mevor ha-aretz, makros ha-pesach. They ate from the yashan grain still on the 15th. When it was still the first day of Pesach, they ate they ate the yashan grain. And the matzos v'koli were from chadash, and that they ate on the 16th. Radak understands that Borha Aretz also means the old grain, but he still puts Matzah Vakali together with that. He reads it as they ate the Yashan grain, Mehayashan, Akhlu, Matzah Vakali. They ate Matzah Vakali as well, all from the old grain, until after the Karim Pesach. That the, the, that the new grain they couldn't eat until. Since now we have really three pshatim in the Psukim. We have the, the Gemara had two pshatim. One shot was that they ate the man as long as they had it, and then they, when they ran out of man, they began eating the new grain. One shot is that they ate the new grain as soon as they brought the carbon omer, which enabled them to eat the, the new grain. And a third shot is the way Rabbeinu Tam understands, based, like Ibn Ezra understands, that they ate the old grain through Makras Pesach, through the 15th, and the Etzimayamazeb on the 16th, that's when they began eating the new grain, because that's when they had brought the carbon omer. We'll just close with one last point today. We'll, we'll discuss maybe more about the, the, the prohibitions of Chadash next week. But the one last point in terms of the Parshanur HaMikra. The question is, it says that they, that they couldn't eat the new grain until the, until the Karban HaOmer. But eating matzah on Pesach night is a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah that's saying midaraisa. Like a brach on it. So there is a rule, I say dochalos, I say. There is a rule that, that when you have a mitzvah, I say... That can sometimes override, in many cases, that overrides the mitzvah's loss. The Torah says, don't do something, but I have a mitzvah to do a certain thing. Sometimes that mitzvah can override the loss. You, you put on, you, you wear tzitzis to have kalayim, because the mitzvah of wearing tzitzis can override, we don't do this today, but in theory, the mitzvah of, of wearing tzitzis can override the prohibition of kalayim. You can put, let's say, wool, wool threads on a linen garment, because the mitzvah of tzitzis overrides the prohibition of kalayim. So the Yushalmi asks, why couldn't they eat matzah from the Chadash? Why do they have to wait to the Omer? Why couldn't they eat Chadash? Because the mitzvah of matzah, the of Tokl matzah, that mitzvah should override the lav of Chadash. Yushalmi gives two terutzim. One terutz is, 
Ain't I say the Kodma Dibur Doklose Lachra Dibur. And I say that was given before Matan Torah, the, the mitzvah of Matas was already given back in Parsha's boat. That can't override a Losa say, or he says, it's Xera, that with Rabbanan they were afraid. Even the first Kazayas, which is Mitzvah Daraisi, you're allowed to eat. But the second Kazayas, you want to eat more, you want to put matzah in your soup, you want to eat it with your, with your brisket or something. That you wouldn't be allowed to do, because that's not the Mitzvah anymore. So they were afraid if you ate one Kazayas of Chadash, you might eat two Kazayasim, and if not the Mitzvah, that's so that they wouldn't let you do. So the Ushami gives different Terutzim for why we don't say, I say, Dokalosa, I say. The, the Radak brings the. That, that the Radak brings this brings this Yushalmi as well. He says he brings this this kasha as well. He says that the say is not to Kalosa say. He says unless it unless it is Ksuva Batsida. He doesn't bring the Yushalmi, he says his own territory, unless it's written together with it. I'm not sure what that means. The usual rule in Khazal is that an say is Dokalosa say, even if they're written in totally different places. But the Radak claims unless they're written together, we don't like Titsis. This is don't wear shatnes, but wear tzitzis, then it's docha. But if there are two different mitzvahs in different places, we don't say it's docha. I don't think that's the general halacha. I'd have to look into this further. Okay, so we'll continue this topic hopefully next week.